in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. A lot of coaches got fired this morning. Mike Zimmer is out in Minnesota. Matt Nagy is out in Chicago. And most surprising, Brian Flores fired in Miami. Of those three firings, the GM has also gone in Minnesota and Chicago. The GM is not gone in Miami. Chris Greer kept his job. Uh, the reports from like Ian Rapport, Adam Schefter suggest that that was a power struggle between Greer and Flores. And that's why Flores is and Greer is still in. You surprised the Dolphins fired Flores? Uh, I am, but it almost tells me that it was decided before the eight game winning eight of nine. That They started off so poorly, they made decisions, and they just didn't come back off it. Because if they waited the entire time... Now, look, I don't know what the power struggle was. If it was too much, then it doesn't matter how many games you win. If the GM wants you out and the owner agrees, then you're going to be out. But yeah, just based on winning eight of their last nine, I think most people saw who was fired this morning and that had to be the biggest surprise those yeah. other those other two naggy and i was getting yeah. yeah they were out um so flores i'm i'm i don't know i'm a little confused because everything i've seen from like people that cover the nfl are suggesting like oh flores is going to get a job offer within 24 hours oh everybody that has a head coach opening should go talk to flores 24 and 25 in yeah. three years with miami with zero playoff appearances yeah. i mean they did go 10 and 6 yet last year and missed the playoffs which is unlucky right you get to 10 wins you normally think that's good enough and this year nine and eight but like i flores nothing against flores it's a little surprising he got fired but i'm i don't quite get the this guy's a no-brainer no doubter you've got to hire this guy head coach i i i don't get it yeah he's mel tucker i (laughs) 10 years (laughs) 10 years not 100 million dollars like you, you 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 shake your head i i um my thoughts with him at at the very least is that he hasn't had any sort of consistent offense. What like I, he at one point was okay. This guy's the starter. This guy's the reliever. Was his offensive game plan? Hey, they won ten games when they did. That. I know. So it I'm like, worked. I'm saying like, <laughs> at least he said like at the very least you have a coach who's willing to think outside the box. <laughs> like I do. Like okay, I do think if you take Miami right now, the GM probably deserved to be fired before. Right. Like they took Tua over Herbert and they traded up to do so. Didn't yeah. they give up a first round pick yes. to go up and do that? So like, I think there's definitely a level of the GM deserves to go before the head coach. I just, I don't know. I'm confused by all the love for Flores just because I, it's not like no, his overall yeah, record. It's not and... like they fired a guy that has like multiple playoff. I mean, appearances, let alone wins. Let's see if it happens though. That's what everyone's saying. 24 hours for, for Brian Flores, he's yeah. gonna have a job. I, I would love to see him. I'd love to see him in Chicago, just to like have a competent. <laughs> Who's this Rex Ryan? I'll have a job in 15 minutes. <laughs> Wait, why do you want to see him in Chicago? Their offense sucks. Yeah, but it does. His field's better than Tua. At this point, I have to assume so. No, Tua completed like 90 percent of his passes. I mean, they only asked him to throw it five yards down the field, but like. No, I, that'd be the same situation he's in now, unless you think Fields is going to be awesome, which he might be. I, hey, ju- hey. I just want to see Fields with somebody competent because he might be good. I just want to see. I just want. Year. I just want Chicago to have a good defense, and I want 
Green Bay to have a good offense so that we can get that, like, a cat taped to a piece of buttered toast, like, circle mentality going again, where Jay Cutler really wasn't play, didn't play well, but somehow the Bears are in this game. Uh, by the way, how about the NFC North, where you have the Packers, and then somehow the second-best coach in that division is knee-biting Dan Campbell? Danny Campbell? Bites some knees. Got the second best coach in that division. <laughs> what did you see? I d- they ran like three trick plays by the yeah, way. Yeah, oh, Green that's Bay. right. They they said it's the end of the year. We don't care. Screw it. And we're just hey, remember that thing we were practicing in uh, in August? Yeah, I think I think we ran it once. Yeah, let's try it. Yeah, they, and they all worked. Yeah, and so it's like, yeah. uh try that in week eight when you're not eliminated from the playoffs. Like, uh, give it a shot. Well, I think what week eight they were. Oh, and <laughs> okay, week two when you're still yeah, at some home. Like, uh, like, let's try these a little earlier in the season. We don't have to wait in, till in two weeks. Hey, let's run one of these. I can throw. <laughs> I don't care about your next question. Clay Thompson scored 17 points in his first game back. The Warriors beat the Cavs 96 82. Thompson played 19 minutes. He scored 17 points, 7 of 18 shooting. Not a great day. 3 of 8 from 3. He had a dunk. Which, not that I should be surprised, because obviously they'd wait till he's 100% to come back, but we're talking about a guy, ACL, Achilles injury. Right. He had an explosive dunk. It was like, oh, yeah, that guy can dunk. I, it was. Did you watch the game? No, just saw highlights of it afterwards okay. of Clay Thompson and his 18 shots. A lot of missed shots, but. 17 and 19 minutes, though. Yeah, but still enough enough excitement there where you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, like Thompson they need guy. another player. Hey, hey, they only scored 96 against the Cavs. Maybe they do. <laughs> the offense is struggling. Steph Curry can't hit a three anymore. I know. Did you know Joel Embiid has a higher three-point percentage this year than Steph Curry? I did not know that. Yes. Maybe Steph's worrying about off-the-court stuff. I saw where he was uh, on the front of GQ. Oh, Maybe get him. Get him with the pitchforks. The Worry G- about basketball. The GQ curse. Yeah, the GQ curse. Is that a thing? It is now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just... I just made that up. I don't think there's a GQ curse, but maybe he's worried about too much off the court stuff. Wow. Sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. The Giants ran a quarterback sneak on third and nine from their own four yard line. And this followed up a quarterback sneak on second and 10. It's a very brave set of circumstances. After the game, Joe Judge was asked about it, and he said, I wanted to give us some space to To punt. punt. So on second down, Judge decided to punt and was like, you know what? We need a couple more yards before we pull off this spectacular punt from our own end zone. I want to be in the huddle when that play is called. I want to be in the huddle and say, what the hell are we doing? The wide receiver is just going, oh, you got it. No, I'm not. No, I'm not blocking. I'm not blocking. Can you imagine being in the huddle when he comes in and calls that play? On second down and third down. Yeah. It's it's incredible. Well, it's good that the game meant a lot. And that's the thing. I mean, just. There were no stakes. Play like Detroit. Right. Throw throw like three flea flickers. The season's over. Let the left tackle take the snap and throw it down the field. Who cares? How is Joe Judge not one of the coaches that's already been fired this morning? He's coming back. What are we doing in New York? Didn't New York. We talked to Adam Candy about this last week. Yeah, New York bringing him back. They, they like were like doubled down too. But they, after that, come on, you serious? How is that guy? Hey, he ran a he quarterback had job sneak. Security. He, he ran a quarterback he sneak on second and third down so he could punt. 
He I know. decided to punt in on a second down. game that meant nothing with no stakes. Unbelievable. Well, like, I, I know I'm not getting fired. I might as well. Yeah. I know I'm coming back. Like, as much as I've said, have I said, like, Rich Passaccia hasn't looked good at certain times, my God, <laughs> he's not that. It, he should, Joe Judge should have been fired on the spot. Yeah. They should have walked down and said, no, n- no. go home. Go home. Take your clothes off like Antonio Brown and go home. We're not dealing with this anymore. <laughs> You're not coaching this team. Next question. San Diego State beat Colorado State 79-49. to 49. Colorado State shot 3 of 20 from 3. Uh, San Diego State was not fully healthy. Um, they have had some COVID issues and some injury issues. Uh we put in San Diego State as the best team in the Mountain West well, now? you and I talked in the break. They're not going to do it again because it's the team they are. If they ever played offense like that consistently, they're a top 10 team in the country, never mind the best team in the Mountain West. But, I, again, they could they go to Wyoming on Wednesday. It could be 61-59. Oh, it probably will. It probably will be. <laughs> it, no, it, it probably will be. But for one day offensively, because you know they're going to play defense. I mean, they, they locked them down, but – Man, offensively, like where did that come from? I I just if they watched that, them. If they played that way against UNLV the week before, they would have won going away by like fifteen. Yeah, like going away. I just watched them play UNLV and thought this is the worst offensive team yeah. on a, a good team. Obviously, this is the worst offensive team of a contender I've ever seen. Right. Like seriously, their best offensive play against UNLV was to miss a shot, get the rebound, and go get an offensive yeah. rebound. That's not good. Like you don't want to have to do that. And then they just torched Colorado yeah. State. I mean, the offense was phenomenal against Colorado State. I, that wasn't the same team. I'm telling no, you, that was no. not the same team that I watched play UNLV. So they waited for Matt Bradley to do a kind of breakout like that, and he broke out, and he was really, really good. So if the off, listen, if the offense is that, like you said, oh, they're winning the league. Yeah, not even That's close. Not even close. If the offense is half of that, they're probably, they're probably winning favorites. the league. Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. Because again, their defense is good, and as long as the offense isn't just Horrid. Awful. Right. They're already going to win a lot of games, and then you pound Colorado State like that. I Like one of the most shocking score lines I think I, I've seen in, in Mountain West basketball in a long time. Because, oh, by 30? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. But to Absolutely. win by, because San Diego State was favored by like, I think two, two, two and a half or two something. Half. So, like, if San Diego State wins that game, yeah, okay, you get it. But by 30, is I'm like, so far this year, what? Air Force beat Utah State, where neither team broke 50 points. That's a pretty shocking scoreline because Air Force kind of sucks. And for nobody to break 50 is kind of unbelievable. But this is even more so because it's it's a 30-point win over a team that's previously undefeated. Right? We have been talking up like, oh, Colorado State, they're in the NCAA tournament. Right. Don't right. even worry about them. They're right. in the NCAA tournament. Now it's like, wow, lost by 30. I got a, uh, a buddy of mine always bets in San Diego State games, and he texted me and because they never lose at home. They're like 15 straight. Now, the last time they lost at home was when Colorado State came back from like 26. Um, and it was two and a half. He goes, what do you think? I said, I'm not as confident as I was in UNLV. You know, and I picked UNLV to win, but I, it didn't shock me that they won there because they always win there. I said, I'm not as confident right after the game, the first text. Thanks a lot. <laughs> he stayed away from the game. <laughs> they won by 30. Man, you know, that's a great question. Evander Kane has been released by the San Jose Sharks. The Sharks say he violated COVID protocols while in the Jesus AHL. Christ, man. Uh, if you remember, Evander Kane uh, had a fake vaccination card and was suspended for 20 games by the NHL to start this season. 
uh, the Sharks ended up putting him into the minor leagues because nobody claimed him off waivers. But now they have released him uh, outright. So he is no longer a member of the Sharks. Uh, I don't, I haven't seen an update. I do know the Players Association said they are going to file a grievance on behalf of Evander Kane. Uh, but it appears as though Evander Kane is done with the Sharks and potentially done with the NHL altogether. Why in the world did it take this long? And I think maybe it is contractually. Because when I saw this the other day, it sees the, the Sharks had to get to the NHL and see if they could even do this. And obviously they believe they can. Yeah. And, and again, the Players Association, they're supposed to do what they're supposed to do now. They're supposed to, on his behalf, as, as bad a guy as he's been, he's one of their players. They're supposed to try to defend him. But again, I don't know why it took this long. Do you think the people at the Players Association are like, man, we got to defend Evander Kane? Oh yeah. <laughs> behind oh. the behind the scenes, there are those they're like, there are uh, those conversations. There's some there's somebody that went, who's the new intern lawyer? Like who's the who's that guy we just hired? Hey, we got a big assignment for you. <laughs> the guy you get to Evander Kane. He. He was worth $8 million a year. You got to go handle that, man. The guy getting coffee? Yes. <laughs> yes. Guy is now defending a no, You're not King. defending. <laughs> All right. Coming up next, Mark Andre Fleury got his revenge on the Golden Knights. We're back to the press box with Grainy and Bischoff. That was the Fox broadcast discussing Joe Judge's decision to quarterback sneak on third and nine from his own four yard line. You don't get the sometimes you get the color guy to say something fun. You don't get the play by right. play very often. Go, this is uh, sad. What am I doing with my yes. life? He was I need to call my son. He calls NFL games and he was contemplating his life choices because they ran a quarterback sneak and then they ran another. Yes. All right. <laughs> overshadowed a little bit by the NFL, but we had a fun hockey game in town because Marc-Andre Fleury came back and beat the Golden Knights on Saturday. So let me ask you, do you think uh, you sit here on January 10th? No. Do you think the Golden Knights regret trading Marc-Andre Fleury? No, I no? don't. Okay. I really don't. No. I don't think they regret it. I don't think the two dudes who traded him regret it. I mean, the fans regret it. Every, I don't know about the players, but I don't think the two dudes... <laughs> who traded him are going to are you ever going to admit to that is flurry better than Leonard this year overall or I'm looking at the numbers right here flurry's got I... a slightly better save percentage it's 906 to 910 uh flurry's goal saved above average is better he's minus 0.1 so basically zero dead average where Leonard this year is minus 2.07 which means the average goalie would have saved two more goals than Robin right. Leonard this season and Flurry's basically right at average. So by that by that stat, Flurry is two goals better over the course of half a season than Leonard has been this year. So okay. Ah, Robin's had some injury issues. Well, Flurry was in COVID. That that did happen. <laughs> the Golden Knights will regret trading Marc Andre Flurry. When? If Robin Leonard sucks in the playoffs. Oh. You're going that far. Because like we've said from the beginning of this season, the regular season's pretty much irrelevant, right? Golden Knights are going to make the playoffs. Like there's not a big, it's not really a big deal. Sure, they're playing for seeding. But this team is built to win a Stanley Cup. You don't want a Stanley Cup in November, December, or January, right? You want a Stanley Cup in the summer. If Robin Leonard is bad in the playoffs, then they might look back 
and regret it, especially if Flurry, although the Blackhawks might not make the playoffs, especially if Flurry has a great regular season. But if Robin Leonard is average to good in the playoffs, they're not going to regret it. Not going, it's not going to happen. If he's if he's an average or better goalie in the playoffs, they are not going to regret trading away Mark Andre Fleury. Now, if he's bad, they'll look around and say, "Uh oh, did we mess that up?" But as long as Leonard is an average or better goalie in the playoffs, they won't regret it one bit. Well, they won't base it on Fleury in the playoffs last year. Well, Fleury did kind of kick a puck into his own yes. net almost. I mean, he kicked it to the crease and then it got put in. Yeah. So, like that happened. So, like, okay, as long as Leonard doesn't kick a puck into his yeah. own net, okay. I don't think they will regret it. Neither now, if he does that, yes, then you look back and say, wow, we traded away the Vesna winner and Robin Leonard was bad in the playoffs. But as long as Leonard is fine in the playoffs, I think they'll be okay. Because again, you got $2 million in extra cap space, right? And if, a guy seven years younger. Right. And he's younger and you have some, uh, you have some goalie stability into the future. Cause this is the last year that right. was on Flurry's original contract. Right. Whereas Leonard's got what four more years after, or three more, three after more this after one. this. So you have some at least you know short term or medium term uh, stability there with your goalie position as to who it's going to be. If you if they had because and the reason you ask is because in the offseason, they could have conceivably traded Robin Leonard. Sure, like they could have kept Flurry and traded Leonard. And probably away. gotten more for him. Right, and they didn't choose to do that. They chose to kept Leonard, and and I think a lot of that's he's younger and has more years on his deal and is two million dollars cheaper. Now they kind of. Th- Pay the $2 million because they spent it on Laurent Brossois, right. right? They spent like what? 2.3 million on right. Laurent Brossois, who has been what? Nothing special. Like they could have probably gotten that from Logan Thompson. So they didn't really save 2 million because they ended up blowing it on something they didn't need, but I don't think they'll regret it until then. Now I do wonder how Bill Foley felt watching Mark Andre Fleury come back, watching that welcome back video to Marc-Andre Fleury, watching the fans give Marc-Andre Fleury multiple ovations during the game. Like, I don't think it's like McPhee and McCrimmon seem like, yeah, they might be kind of cold and heartless and they don't really care. Like, yeah, we made the decision that was best for the roster. But I do wonder how Bill Foley felt watching that because I have to imagine that that can't... Bill Foley might regret it. Well, he might regret it in his mind, but, you know... I think the other two, obviously, I don't think the other two. I I know the other two are more hockey guys anyway, and they. I think I would trust them with hockey decisions over Bill Foley. Bill Foley's going to be emotional about it. It was the first, you know, it was the major pick of the expansion draft. I think he loved Flurry, so he's going to be emotional about it for a night. But now they'll move on. I, I I think they'll move on. I think Bill Foley will move on, especially if his team keeps winning his first place and has a chance to win the cup. Right until they get to the playoffs and Leonard blows it. <laughs> And then he'll right then, if then Leonard he'll blows the it in the guys, playoffs. If Leonard blows it in the and playoffs, he'll have a meeting with uh, McPhee and McCrimmon. Come here. Why did we trade away that flurry guy? I liked him, and you know he might have kicked a puck into the net against Montreal, but but I liked him. So I, again, this is all about the Stanley Cup for the Golden Knights. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's it's uh, it'd be nice if Mark Andre Fleury was still on the team. Sure, it hurts because they've gotten rid of so many fan favorites or whatever. But this is all about winning the Stanley Cup yeah. for the Golden Knights. And McPhee and McCrimmon are not going to regret anything that they think helps them win the right. Stanley Cup. Right. Now, if we if we can look back and sort of definitively or close to definitively say that was a bad move, that cost them a chance at a cup or whatever, then that's something that you end up regretting and you know could be the reason they don't keep their jobs for however long they think they're going to keep their jobs. Whatever, but... It's all about winning the Stanley Cup and how nice it feels to have Flurry back or whatever, I think is mostly 
irrelevant to this team. Did you like Marc-Andre Fleury um, not only thanking the fans, but also being happy you got to say hello to Carnell Johnson, the anthem singer. How about that? <laughs> Golden Pipes got to say hello. Was he, people said he was, and they kind of zeroed in on him, on his mask. Was he shedding some tears? Somebody tweeted that he was. I couldn't see it I in could, the video I myself. See it in the video. So I'll believe them, I guess. But... <laughs> I couldn't actually see him crying uh, on the video of Flurry watching the welcome back thing, which, by the way, we've talked about this before. Marc-Andre Fleury uh, comes across as the best guy in the world. Nobody's, like, ever said anything bad about the guy. He seems to say everything, like, charming. Everybody loves everything he says. Seems like a great dude. How is Alan Walsh's agent? I don't know. How? He got him when he was a first-round pick. Uh, many, many, many years ago, and Flurry has just stuck with him. Like I have, ne- like, and maybe it's the perfect, maybe it's the perfect agent for Flurry because he is such a nice guy, and he's like, you know what? I need a guy who's just an ass, just be an ass, and go get me the best contract possible. But like, I could not possibly. Are there any two people in hockey that are di- more different uh, than Flurry and Alan? Walsh? Not at least no, not at least the perception <laughs> of them. You know, and Walsh was the one. The sh- I was on the Zoom the other day when the Chicago interim coach joked. He goes, "Well, maybe I won't play him, and uh, you know he'll he'll come after me." And Walsh, Walsh hunted him down. Walsh again tweeted, "Well, that's what I would do, or something like that." He had to take his final shot. Yeah. It's like we well, just stay out of this. No one wants to hear from you. No one cares about you, and no one cares about what you think. And he's got to take his final shot at them. Your guy makes seven million dollars a year, and he's a starting goalie in the NHL at thirty-seven years old. Don't worry about it. You've made a ton of money off that guy, so don't worry about it. Is it? It's kind of similar to the fact that like almost all of Scott Boris's clients are actually like pretty decent dudes, and it's like he doesn't seem to have any problematic dudes. See, I think he's the problem. And I also don't think he's the problem telling them I'll be the bad guy. Yeah, I mean they already assume it, but I mean you know if he's your agent, you know if something has to be said, he'll say it anyway. Is Alan Walsh the bad guy, or is he just? Attention sinking. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I well, don't know if he's a Scott bad guy. Boris. Just, I mean, Scott Boris is such a better. But Scott agent. Boris also, yes, is yes, like the yeah, number yeah. one agent in his sport. Yeah. We've talked about this. Alan Walsh is like, I don't even know if he's top ten in total contract money. He is. Wait, what? does Scott? Hold on, I'm going to look up if Scott Boris's agency has more <laughs> NHL players. <laughs> Coming up next, Ryan Wallace joins the show. Joining us now is Ryan Wallace from the VGK Insiders Show. All right, Ryan, do you think the Golden Knights regret trading away Marc-Andre Fleury? No. Oh. Does Foley? <laughs> mm, no. No, I don't think so. Wow. When would they regret it? If Robin Leonard gives up seven in a playoff game? Uh, I mean, ultimately, if you don't win a Stanley Cup with Jack Eichel on the roster, that might be the minute you, you start to say something. But I, I doubt that that's going to be – like, I, I, you don't get to the to the place in life where, where Bill Foley is or where the Golden Knights organization is living in the past and dealing with regret. So I think the minute that that transaction happened, uh, it was done and over with, and you move on from there. Bill Foley named his team after the Army. All he does is live in the past. Okay, that's fine. But I, I think in this in this particular instance, um, you have a good enough team to win hockey games. I, I don't think. One two to one loss to Marc Andre Fleury and the Chicago Blackhawks is enough to make you regret every decision you made in, in that regard. What did you think of the tribute video? And obviously, then he responds. 
Um, yeah, I thought the the tribute was good. I thought that uh, the, the fan response was was even better. And uh, you know, there were there were points in the game where I think with every save Mark Andre Fleury made, the fans became less and less appreciative of what he was doing in the game. Uh, but then it still came around at the end for a big time ovation. So uh, I thought the fans were really good on on Saturday night, and, and I, I think that uh, you know the the tribute video was what it needed to be, and, and now you've got that game behind you and you can move on. How come Flurry didn't get all flustered like Ryan Reeves? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, maybe because it happened before the game and not during the game. Maybe, oh, maybe the Golden Knights blew that. it. They blew it. They should have yeah. done it in the third period. Yeah, honestly, they should have done it right before the, the, the big push, right? Like, you just save it for that last media timeout in the third period and you hope that you can put three or four back there. I thought he was going to say because Flurry's good at what he does. <laughs> I'm I'm very diplomatic, Ed. I don't, I don't know if you know that right now, but uh, I want to ask you something because we have not seen him in a long time. Uh, what have they missed? And are you surprised? This, I mean, it was a it was a bad injury, obviously a lot more serious than we thought at the at the beginning. Even though they don't give him much information over on injuries about Alec Martinez. What have they missed from him? And when he comes back, what do you expect? Uh, who does he play with? And, and what do they get back from him? Yeah, I mean, you're you're missing one of your better defenders, right? And, and for a team that I think has struggled quite a bit this year defending, um, you're you're missing a lot. This is a Golden Knights team that's giving up a lot of dangerous scoring chances against. They're not particularly strong in front of their own net. Uh, and you saw that more or less in that Winnipeg game when, you look at where the goals came from for Winnipeg, the ability to just get inside and make it really difficult for the Golden Knights to pick up extra players. Um, you're missing that now with Martinez. You're missing a guy that can really help you out on your penalty kill. Uh, it's no surprise to me that the Golden Knights penalty kill has struggled, especially in the month of December without Martinez in the lineup. So what you're getting is just a calming presence on the back end. I, I would imagine that Martinez would play with Shea Theodore since Nick Hagan Alex Petrangelo seems to be a pair that, that the Golden Knights are really going to explore and keep together. Um, I, I think you get Martinez with Theodore. That helps Theodore because perhaps the best hockey that Chase Theodore has played as a Vegas Golden Knight happened when he was paired up with um, Alex Martinez. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're missing a guy that, that you brought back on a, on a pretty heavy ticket to be uh, one of your top three Ford defensemen, and, and you don't have that in the lineup, and it becomes difficult to – to really cut down on the chances against when you don't have those players available to you. Is that the, the high danger chances that they've given up? Would that be your biggest concern for this team right now? I mean, defending, I think, is, is the biggest concern surrounding the Golden Knights. Like, I'm not concerned about their offense, especially when you kind of insert Jack Eichel into this lineup at some point in time here in the future. And you saw what kind of tear Max Pacioretty was on uh, when he was in the lineup. I, I'm not terribly concerned about this team's ability to score but, yeah, I mean, I think if you're looking at everything, the entire season as a whole, um, it's been the inability to, to defend at times and needing to outscore their problems that has really been the issue for the Golden Knights. Have you remained solid in your opinion, or have you changed a little in terms of when Eichel comes and let's say Pacioretty is near coming back, that they'll try to manipulate some things and not have to do much at the deadline? Or do you think, like Kelly McCrimmon told us last week when Eichel's ready they're going to play the people who are ready and they're going to worry about the deadline when it comes yeah I think that's the case like I I mean especially in the case of Jack Eichel if he's healthy and he's ready and he's able he's going to play because you've got to get this player 
integrated into your system. You've got to figure out which players he plays best with, which players really complement the the unique skill set that he has. Um, and you've got to get him ready and up to speed with this system and, and what he's going to be playing and what his responsibilities are going to be with the Vegas Golden Knights. I think the worst thing in the world would be to have the first game Jack Eichel ever plays for the Golden Knights be his first ever playoff game um, in the in NHL in his NHL career. It would just be a mistake. So as soon as Jack Eichel is ready to go, he's going to be in the lineup. Are there two more different people in hockey than Alan Walsh and Mark Andre Fleury? That's why it works so well, right? Like he, you, you talk about opposites attracting, and that's certainly the case there with Alan Walsh and Mark Andre Fleury. Did Flurry is Flurry just such a nice guy that he had to go find the biggest ass to be his agent? Like, is that the entire objective there? I mean, I I like Alan Walsh. I don't know. I, I don't understand this whole biggest ass thing. But like Alan what? Walsh, he is funny. Yeah. Well, I yes. Oh, he's great. He's great for us. Doesn't make him yeah. not an ass. No, I'm just I like I I appreciate the 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 fact that Alan Walsh is unapologetically himself. Like, I'll take it all day long. So will we. I'm just saying. Oh, absolutely. We love, I can't we imagine, love the tweets. I can't imagine it's good for the relationship with the team. And as we've seen, Marc-Andre Fleury no longer plays for the team he wants to play for. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's... Listen, as as much as we sit here and say, like, oh, well, he doesn't play with the team and Alan Walsh, blah, blah, blah. Listen, the fact of the matter is, and we can go back and forth on this all day long, nothing Alan Walsh does happens without Marc-Andre Fleury's approval. So as much as we want to like sit here and say, well, Mark Andre Fleury uh, probably didn't know about the short, the sword in the back. Well, it was up for quite a while, and he knew about it for quite a while. So the fact of the matter is, like Alan Walsh is the perfect complement to the the mystique and aura of Mark Andre Fleury. That's all I'm going to say. All right, Anaheim's in second, which I don't know if it's a farce or not. Can anyone in your mind catch these guys? Who who's the biggest challenge? I mean, I think I think logically it's probably the Calgary Flames. The Edmonton Oilers are never going to enter that discussion, in my opinion, <laughs> until they actually have a goalie that can save the puck. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not buying on the I'm not buying the Edmonton Oilers. The the Anaheim Ducks they're falling off. They're hitting a, a bit of a skid right now, and and that's I think what makes this this eight game homestand and two of the games in particular, Nashville and and of course Chicago. Uh, it's what makes it really frustrating, I think, for the Golden Knights and their fans is that you have an opportunity to really open up a lead that no one's going to be able to catch. Um, but Calgary, to me, is the team that makes the most sense. Uh, how they're kind of returning from COVID seems to be uh, flying in the face of that. But I just I look at them as, as the best complete team on paper, and at least they've got a goalie that isn't like 40 years old and always hurts. <laughs> uh, okay. We obviously don't know what the schedule is going to look like uh, because they haven't announced the rescheduling of a lot of the games that have been postponed. But like Calgary's played five less games than Vegas and Calgary's only played like 10 or 11 home games this year, but they're going to play those eventually. Do you think we're talking about here? Like, I don't know, maybe Calgary getting screwed because they're going to have such a compacted schedule at the end trying to play catch up, or maybe it's better because they're going to get so many home games that when they're trying to play catch up, like, do you think the schedule is going to impact the race in the Pacific or any other division this year? I, I mean, I think it has to, right? Like, you, you're looking at a Golden Knights team that's sitting here right now, like, in first place by, because they've got as many points, but they've played so many more games than everybody else in the division. And, I mean, if you're the Calgary Flames looking at that, you've got two ways, uh, two options, right? It's 
you know, we've got a ton of home games that, yes, it's going to be compacted, but we can really come from behind and do some damage here. Um, or you can say, ah, it's really compacted and, and it's pretty crazy and I'm not sure how we're going to get all these games in. Uh, both are valid. Both have, have their place here. But, you know, for me, I, I think that, you know, it's it's been pretty compacted for the Golden Knights early on this season. It's going to be pretty compacted for them in March and April, assuming that none of those games get moved into that February um, three-week break. So, I, I mean, I, ideally, the NHL would try to make it as even and, and split fairly as possible. But in a COVID world, that's just not happening. So, um, like, if I'm the Calgary Flames in this situation and understanding who their head coach is and Daryl Sutter, there won't be any excuses for why they do or don't win the Pacific Division. Ryan, you get to clone one player as many t- well as enough times to create an entire hockey team. What player is that so that he would have to play all the offensive lines, all the defensive pairings and goalie and you know your goal is still to win the Stanley Cup. I mean Sidney Crosby, like I don't I don't think it's particularly close either. Like I know Alex Ovechkin is fun. Um, and I know Connor McDavid is, you know, Connor McDavid, but for me, when it comes to getting a player in the lineup that you need to win a hockey game, it's hard to bet against Sidney Crosby and a team full of Sidney Crosby's would be really, really frustrating and annoying to play against. Six Sidney Crosby. How many goals would the, would Sidney Crosby give up though? Uh, none of them. None of them. He <laughs> plays, he plays goalie in, in the summer. Tyler, didn't you know that? I think he's given up a lot of goals still. Come on. He's going to kick one into his own net. We see the Vesna winner do that every now and then. Okay, that's just a low blow. It is. That's what we're here for. He's Ryan Wallace from the VGK Insider Show. Ryan, as always, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, guys. Take care. Uh, by the way, quick note on Calgary. He took that way more seriously. Uh, they have played 11 home games this year. Uh, the Golden Knights are in the middle of an eight-game homestand. Uh, they've played 22... <laughs> They've played 22 road games. They've played double the amount of road to home games so far this year. Part of that's because of their COVID pause, but also because the NHL has rescheduled a lot of home Canadian team games for later. They're going to reschedule them for later in the season because currently they can't have fans, but 11 home games so far this year, five in hand and they're back seven points. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting because they're going to have a lot of games at the end, but a lot are going to be home games. So it'll be interesting to see if Calgary again, the Golden Knights can basically make it a non-factor if they just if they win enough, they're going to have a big yeah. enough lead that's going to be a non-factor. But like Ryan said, you lose that game to Nashville, you lose to Chicago, like you're sort of blowing games you could be should be winning, and you leave the door slightly open that Calgary could come in and steal the one seat. The good thing is that there's like no chance they're falling out of the playoffs. Like if you're the Golden Knights, we're sitting here in oh, January no. and we're like. No. How do we find a way they don't win the division? And it's like, well, Calgary's got a lot of home games left. You're in a pretty good spot when that's the conversation that we're having. All right, coming up next. Coming up later in the show, we got tickets to go see Tool. I'm going to complain about something, though. Uh, Tool? No, no. I know nothing about Tool to complain about them. Don't worry. Um, Can we? What are we doing this morning where I've now seen multiple people? acting like Justin Herbert is some big victim and the Chargers not making the playoffs. Victim? Rex, uh-huh. Rex Ryan this morning uh, was yelling at Brandon Staley saying he's he's the reason Justin Herbert's not in the playoffs. And uh, Daniel Popper, who covers the athletic, or covers the Chargers for the athletic, he said Justin Herbert and the Chargers are not in the playoffs and that's a major letdown. And basically wrote a story saying they've got
franchise quarterback and didn't and they failed him. Like her, listen. I think Herbert's going to be good. Herbert already is good. I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to have a great career. That team had 14 points with five minutes to go in the game last night. Like they had 14 points with five minutes to go in the game. Yeah, divine Diablo came up with like big plays early on. Like what? I just listen. I I think Herbert's good. I think he's really, really good. I don't. I don't define him as a victim last night. Yeah, that's what Rex Ryan did today, yelling at Brandon Staley. That's what this story in The Athletic is, is basically saying the Chargers aren't good enough defensively, their offensive line wasn't good enough, and all this stuff, and Justin Herbert's, you know, they they failed Justin Herbert. And I'm like, okay, be better. Yeah. Like, yeah. score more than 14 points when there's five yeah. minutes left in the game. Don't be so bad in the beginning. And hell, yeah. They're terrible and, in the beginning. And hell, Justin Herbert had... They got the ball in overtime. They score a touchdown. Yeah. They win the game. Yep. Justin Herbert got him down inside the 30 through back-to-back incomplete passes, and they had to kick a field goal. Go score a touchdown. Yeah. You're in the playoffs. You win the game. You're in the playoffs. Like, I just, listen, again, Herbert's going to be good. I just, this whole, like, oh, poor Justin Herbert. I'm like, no, no. And hell, even the the weirdest, dumbest, funnest two-minute drive I've ever seen in my life, Right? It's not a good thing if you have to convert three fourth downs right. on a drive. That is not a good thing. That is that is lucky. Good quarterbacks avoid fourth down, right? You don't have fourth and ten three times if you're a good quarterback, right? Like that doesn't yeah. happen. He made great plays last night. There's no doubt about it. I think he's a good quarterback. But Herbert could have been better yeah. last night and put the Chargers in the playoffs. There is no doubt about it. He could have been better last night and put that team in the playoffs. And he wasn't. He was fine. He was good. But it's not like Justin Herbert had the most amazing game you've ever seen. He had the weirdest two-minute drill you've ever seen. The two, the, that whole opinion, whether it's Rex Ryan or whoever, goes specifically to the two drives. Yes, that's that, that's all this is about. Right. Are those two drives, eighty-three and seventy-five? I mean, listen. To be fair to Herbert, play drive. The last three times he touched the ball, they went touchdown, touchdown, field goal. Right. Which that's pretty damn good, right? But the first what eight times they touched the ball, they scored twice. So turned it over. It's the same. Yeah. It's the same conversation I've had with you guys about Derek Carr, where Derek Carr is like, "Oh, look, he's got the most game-winning drives or fourth-quarter comebacks now. thirty since he entered the league." And it's like, well, yeah, when you play terrible for three quarters, right. then sure, you've got a chance to win it in the fourth. If you were just good for three quarters, you'd be up by two scores, and you wouldn't have a game-winning drive anymore. It's the same kind of argument. Mariota would actually get to pass a little bit. Oh. He, By played the way, more, he played more snaps last night than he probably has in any game all year. They were all Dude. about the Mariota yeah, package. Exactly. Okay, I have two complaints. First off, the first time Marcus Mariota's in the game is on a second and 10, like at their own 30. The hell are you doing? Right? It's short yardage and red zone. That's when you're using the Mariota package. Whatever. They end up using them for like seven or eight snaps there. The other complaint is, why did they run a reverse to Darren Waller? Because he's uh, fast. Isn't he yeah. the slowest skill position guy on the field? He's not only the oh, slowest whoa, whoa. skill position guy on the field. He's coming off what appeared to be an injury where running would right. be impeded. Where, is it Zay Jones fast? The, yeah, the band, the band that we knew nothing about. I mean, if that's not, if that's <laughs> not, even if it is, uh, even if he's recovered 100%, he's still not fast enough right. to be the one running. Why'd they run a reverse right. to Darren Waller? I was very confused. I, I was like, is that Waller? What is he I, very blown Cut down away easily? Very blown this, away by that. We still we've had this in the playbook ever since we uh, signed Jason Witten. So. Uh. <laughs>
<laughs> we call it the plotter reverse. The big wit plotter. Uh, can you imagine if they had run a reverse oh, to Jason Witt last great. year? That would have been great. <laughs> Gruden messing up and with that call. Oh, my God. No, up. except it would probably work because everyone would go, well, he's not getting the damn ball. I have an important question. Was John Gruden watching? Well, that's an obvious yes. He's probably called Derek Carr right after it happened. <laughs> Are they going to let Marcus Mariota throw a pass in the playoffs? No. Because one of his snaps, Foster Moreau, wide open, 15 yards down the field, would have been the e- – Jared could have made the pass, right? But they ran – I don't know if it was an RPO. I don't know if Foster yeah. Moreau got the wrong play call. But Foster Moreau just walked uncovered. Nobody on the defense cared he existed. 15 yards down the field would have been an easy touchdown for for anyone to throw. You got to let the guy pass. The whole point of putting him in the game is because he might pass. I thought last night there'd be a couple play actions. Because he, he played like 10 snaps. Yeah, there'd be at least one play action where <laughs> they would just commit to the run because he was in the game and he'd, yeah. ta- and he'd go over the top to somebody. I thought at least once. I don't know where he was in the field, but I'm like, you know what? This would be a nice time for play action. I don't know if it was a Moreau play. I have no idea. I just thought, at, let him let him do this at least once. They have got to let him pass in the playoffs. It should work. Put him in the game. Let him throw it.